0: Well, thank you again for coming out this morning. It's a bit of a unique morning for us in kind of a celebratory way where we get to enjoy this time together and have a picnic afterwards. Again, you're more than welcome to join us, even if you didn't sign up or anything. We, we got extra food thinking about you. So, um, uh, yeah, we're, we're thrilled to be able to have you here. And uh, this is a little bit different, not just because of the picnic, but because we've got another guy who's going to kind of preach half the sermon as well. And so I want to introduce, many of you might know him, but if you don't, this is Matt Kepke. Um, so maybe say hi to everybody. Hello. Yeah. Um, so Matt, first of all, kudos to you on having an incredible name. I, yeah, I just, it is. Yeah. I, I had Your a lot parents. to do with the selection of that name Did for you? myself. That's fascinating. <laughs> I didn't, but yeah. Um, so why don't you give us a little bit of an insight on like, what do you do? What do you do in life? I'm in the army. Yeah, okay. So
1: I've been in the Army for uh, quite a few years, 16 plus
0: years, and... Uh, and what do you do in the Army? Because that's the cool part.
1: Oh, okay, yes. I fly helicopters.
0: Yeah, helicopters.
1: I, it's, yeah. it's uh,
0: And which, which helicopters? The best helicopter, of Which course, is? The Chinook. And that's the... It, uh, yes. I don't even want to say the wrong, like it's got the two propellers, is that, or blades. It has What's two rotor heads. Okay.
1: Has two two rotor heads. It's rotor considered heads, a tandem sorry. rotor. Yeah, uh, in other words, both rotors push the air down. It doesn't have the goofy, silly, ridiculous like most helicopters, where one ro- one rotor is turned sideways. It's a waste of power. So it's ridiculous. So the Chinook is it's all power, all thrust, both rotors. I systems feel like the we've pushed
0: down. you in a direction that you could just keep <laughs> talking, but I, I'm, we're, I've been doing it for a while. I, I, I get it. Yeah. And I want to offer to the military my services, uh, where somebody gave me a drone this past week, and I learned pretty quickly how to fly it. So if I could get into your flight school, that would be... You know, a drone is actually, I view that
1: as like a weapon. They, they're, they actually use those and they so, fly I mean, them into helicopters. I was pretty good. It's, my kids yeah.
0: could not compare to me. <laughs> So that being said, so in all seriousness, we have Matt up here because there's really two reasons. Um, And the first is that we as a church have a passion and an obligation For the next generation like the kids mean everything to us and uh, and so we're going to keep putting them at the front of everything that we do and so because of that we're going to keep looking for opportunities to raise up other voices to keep the gospel moving forward it's not just about us as staff it's about other people that got gifts and so every now and then we recognize that giftedness in somebody else and we're like huh i I wonder how that guy would be in this role this girl would be in this role and as i got to know matt um and saw him get plugged into our church and help out in the the student ministry because you're what junior high is that or senior high? i did i did the junior high now i'm actually starting to do the high school okay they they promoted you that's good um but saw an opportunity where we're like you know what You, you have these gifts i i feel like god has designed you for this purpose, and we wanna raise that and we wanna encourage that. So you'll see, from time to time, us putting different people in this position, because the gospel's not just about me or our staff, it's about how, how we can raise up other people, so I love that. But specifically for this Sunday, um, what I love about your heart and your passion for Christ is that it's not just individualistic, you're very much a community-oriented person where you want to, to experience growth in Jesus Christ, in a group of people. Like you, get, you have people coming to your house for Bible study, for prayer, on a regular basis. And I, I saw that, I saw this gifting. It was like, this is the Sunday, and so here we are. Yeah. Um, but now you've got to stop and listen to me preach for a little bit, So, and, and then you'll you'll get your turn. So Romans chapter uh, 15. We were in Romans 14 last week, and I want to fill you in. Uh, Romans 14, there's an issue where the church is kind of split down the middle. And they really have gotten from, from the level of like, I wouldn't do it that way, to I think that's a dumb way to do it, to I think you're dumb. Like to the point where they've disassociated with one another, they're angry at each other, and the Apostle Paul who is writing this letter to the church to say, hey, your priorities and the things that you value about who Jesus is and who Jesus calls you to be, that should create a change in your relationships where you shouldn't divide over things like this. You should be able to be connected with one another in a way that weathers these types of storms. And so we're in this connected series where we're questioning what do do real relationships look like? Specifically in the church, what kind of relationships does God want us to have with one another? And and so we're in Romans chapter 15 this morning. I want to read 2 through 7, and and then we'll look at it a little bit. So um, Romans 15 and verse 2, he says, Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the, encourage- the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Jesus Christ had. So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this text this morning in the way that it provides a challenge for us. Lord, we do relationships in a way that maybe our past has shaped us and, and our history has created these tendencies. And I pray this morning that we would take those tendencies and and we just submit the idea of what interacting with others should look like and just just say, God, how do you want to reshape me? How do you want to mold me? So I pray that you would guide us in that, Lord. Help us to be just just soft to these ideas that might push us to love people in a way that we, we don't normally. And we ask that in your son's name. Amen. So I mentioned relational tendencies, and my question for you is we as we start out, is what are your relational tendencies specifically when somebody else offends you, when they hurt you? Maybe they were passive-aggressive and, and just over time it just it just was too much and it cut too deep. What's your tendency at that point? Or maybe they were just direct and they just went right at you. What is your tendency in, in that moment? How do you respond? Is it, is it to to be distanced, is it to disassociate with them? Or, or maybe you stay close, but you just, just put up a, a wall. W- what is that tactic for you in what is really a motive, Where if we're honest, is self-preservation? Because what Paul does is he writes, he writes to the church in Rome as if to say self-preservation is not the primary goal of relationships. That this is not about you just not being offended or not being hurt. This is about the gospel compelling us to love people even in the face of their insults and offenses. That we would be a people who are so convinced that God has loved us by giving his son Jesus that we'd say, I'm gonna love you because I have all the love in the world. And so what he's doing is he's reorienting us and reorienting our, our relational tendencies to say, that they should be those which are love. And he kind of lays down this, this, uh, this, this simple process where we should be people who seek to please others because our attitude is diff- different. And as we seek to, to please others with that different attitude, then we'll find that we accept them in a way that they really, really long for, in a way that will produce a hope that, that is really the center and the core of everything that God wants us to do. And it begins with that idea of pleasing. That word pleasing is is a word that would imply that you create a relationship with somebody else in which their heart becomes softened towards you. Have you ever been around a person in life who just does things to please you, and all of a sudden, maybe you didn't intend to, but you just find yourself being open and trusting to them. Just yesterday, I had a friend who invited me. I hadn't seen him for for years, and and I wasn't sure how that was going to go, and he starts being extremely kind, and open, and welcoming, and within like 25 minutes, I'm just like, I trust you. I love you. You're, this is incredible. I can't believe that it's been so long since we were together, because what it does is, is it, it's pleasing others to create a softness in them, which is exactly what he says Jesus was to us. Now, as I looked at this passage in Romans 15, there's kind of this central part where he, he takes a jump back to the book of Psalms, and he references the book of Psalms. In, in, in verse 3, he says, For it's written uh, about Christ that the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. And as I studied this, I thought, I, thought, I don't really understand what he's saying, and I was searching for that. And really what he's saying is, is, is this idea that it's easy to please other people when they don't offend you. It's very easy to please others when they're being who you want them to be. But he quotes Psalms to show how amazing Jesus is and his ability to accept us. And he says that Jesus took the insults upon himself. And so in other words, that he suffered and and loved us even even when we were, were insulting and offensive to him. In fact, as I, as I was thinking about that this morning, I was, I was thinking about a time when I had in the nation of Israel, and I was walking down what they call the Via della Rosa, which is the walk of, of the cross, where Jesus walked carrying the cross. And, and when it says Jesus was insulted, I think we in our mind have this kind of this one person, one time. Jesus is walking, and the whole nation of Israel is just hurling derogatory insults and hatred towards him. And so the apostle Paul picks up that analogy and he says, look, in the church, there are going to be people who offend you. There are gonna be people who bother you and frustrate you. Don't you remember Jesus walking down the Via Della Rosa, walking down this path and people insulting and insulting? And here's the very nature of that. He's doing that for their benefit. He's doing that for our benefit. And so what he does is he reorients the tendency of relationship when it's insulted to say this isn't really about me at the end. This isn't about my self-interest. It's about you. Even I'm going to please you in the face of your insult to me. I was thinking about this um, and I was praying, God, give me this, uh, a way to represent this and, and how, how we have to be at people who are willing to take kind of the cutting remarks of others. And I'm standing in my kitchen this morning and, and in front of me is um, this cutting board. And it's a butcher block cutting board <laughs> that I got when I was 18 years old. And if you look at it, I mean, there are literally, uh, you can verify this, right? There are thousands of, of cuts on this. I'm not, you're fired, okay? <laughs> there are thousands of cuts on this and it's, it's just as good as the day I bought it. It works just the same. Now, this type of cutting board, I, I love it because it's an end grain cutting board. And what I mean by that is wood has two grains. Or wood has a grain that's running one direction. And if, we were, if this was the grain where it was laying sideways, you'd be cutting across the grain, literally cutting through, and the board wouldn't last nearly as long. But this, this cutting board is designed so that you're cutting on the end grain. And so your knife isn't cutting through, it, it's cutting between the grain. And so these cutting boards literally last for generations where they see use and use and use because really in a sense, uh, the, word, the phrase that they use is that it's self-healing, that there's a restorative nature to it, that it might, it might get cut, but it behaves as if it wasn't cut. And what Paul is talking about in the book of Romans is that you're going to cut other people, other people are gonna cut you, but because of Jesus and his attitude, that we have this sort of, not, not necessarily self healing, but God healing interaction with each other. That I'm okay with you offending me and I'm still gonna love you. That's what he means that our attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ, not in theory, not that the idea is we know that Jesus forgave people who insulted him, but that's who Jesus was. And that shouldn't be an, a knowledge that we have, but it should be a reflection in our, in our life Um, He goes on to talk in in Romans 13 and verse 15. Uh, I want to read this because I I think it's so powerful. Um, He says this in verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That because of who Jesus is and because of the hope that we have in, in him, it's literally like if you were to take a cup of water and, and you were to stack it kind of pyramid style. So there was one cup at the top and you know, 10 cups at the bottom. It, you could fill the top one, and it would just keep overflowing and overflowing and overflowing. Paul says that's the dynamic of what should be taking place interpersonally in your relationships within the church, that you should be so hope-oriented that everyone around you grows and, and, and is encouraged because of the hope that comes from you into their life. Now, what I love about Romans 15, and, and again, why we have Matt with us this morning, is the idea is that this isn't a one person doing this on their own. This is a community-based idea. And so Matt, I want you to share with us some of your passion, your heart from that. I'm sure we'll get some of the military background and experience, because that, that's <laughs> shaped this and really pushed you to say, hey, the, the military does this well, I can learn from that and put it in the church so i'm going to stop talking you go yeah i i like what you said
1: about jesus his acceptance of us and then what that does the the thing that as you're saying that that i'm thinking about um jesus wasn't compelled to do that jesus didn't have to do any of that and i would say in the military i have found that i am compelled to do this, like I am compelled to exist in community. Like you, you don't get the choice you, or the you're option. You're required. It's yeah. It's just part of what you do. Um, so I think I think as Christians, that actually that actually lends itself real well to us. Like I think that because we we aren't forced into this, I think we can really see this you know pop and and do good things. But the army, absolutely, community's huge. Like it, it's a family. You spend. So in Iraq, in Afghanistan, you go to these places, you're there for like a year. There's a relatively small area designated that you live in and you, know, you don't really have a lot of personal space. You sleep in a room um, no bigger than this trailer usually, and there's three of you in there, right? You're kind of on bunks or whatever. And it's, it's not, I'm not telling you this because, oh, this is terrible. No, it's actually, it's kind of fun. It's like a long sleepover. <laughs> right, but uh, there's you know very limited places to eat, so we're sleeping together, we all go eat at the same time, we eat the same food, we eat in the same place uh together so this this concept, like you said, of community is just for me it's
0: just second nature duh yeah.
1: like that that's just that's how things work, that's how you get job done you you don't really succeed when you're on your own, so and and really you know if. You probably already have some concept of where the military works. There's a problem somewhere in the world, there's an issue, and our leaders decide, hey, this just requires, or this would be well-suited for military action. So we go in there, and we're going to do a mission of some kind. The the mission comes down, and the unit leader, which we call the commander, derives and, and analyzes this, and says, okay, he publishes something called a commander's intent. And what that is, is it, it like fits on one PowerPoint slide, just to give you some context. It's some information that says, this is your mission, here are some key tasks, don't blow up the entire village. You, you know, so there's some limitations in there, and we take that, right? And then we say, okay, let's, let's plan this. And what, what ends up happening, and what I want you to see is probably the most important aspect of this whole thing, this point that I want to make, is we have to come together to do this. I've never zoomed in with the guy the you know the ground force or whoever else has a pilot like yeah, let's just like do this virtual thing and, and not that's fine there's a time and place for that and we're doing that now but we we come together we meet together and we sort of like walk through the process like we work through the plan we find little kinks in the plan like oh no that may not work too well so let's revise it and we just we rehearse we rehash throughout the whole process yes the plan gets refined but you know what really happens is we begin to understand how each other work. We kind of, you know, we joke with each other. Um, At some point, maybe we take a break and we eat some chow, have some water, and, you know, maybe someone talks about some things they've got going on at home. You You start to know these people, and you learn a little bit about them, and it breaks down barriers. And so, like Matt said, you begin to trust people. You begin to, and that, the Army knows this. Sometimes you wouldn't think it, or I wouldn't think it, but the army knows this, but that is probably the key to being effective as a unit is that cohesiveness, right? That, you got to have it. Um, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the writer of Acts talks about teaching, eating, partnership, and prayer. So this concept that I just pitched to you, like this picture I painted that's military, like that's not just an army Thing. Oh, yeah, that's what the Army does over there. It's, it's for us. Like, it's for us as Christians to participate in this type of relationship. Obviously, it looks a little different, you know, than the military context does. But like I said, we kind of have a leg up because we're not compelled to do it. You know, if in the military, I just, hey, Matt, you're in charge for the day. Guess what, guys? This is what we're all doing. You, you do this, you, you do, you know, that's how this is gonna go, right? That, that doesn't work here at church. You guys would laugh at me if we tried <laughs> to do that. Um, so, but I challenge you, like you, Matt said, you, maybe you've been burned. You know, maybe you haven't had the best experience when you've come to church and, you, and someone just mismanaged resources or people or they were abrasive or, you know. I challenge you to show some fortitude, move past it, press in, because I, I'm telling you, you're going to be rendered ineffective. The enemy it, divide and conquer, right? That's a military thing. It works great. The devil uses the same thing with us as a body.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's huge and that's where scripture comes along and there's so many scriptures saying bear with one, each, one another, forgive one another, that these are regular things that we have to do. This is a skill set we've got to develop. Like I've got I've have to have the ability to say what God is calling us to corporately is so important that as a team, we've got to overcome challenges to say, I'm going to love you in spite of whatever is there that might might deem you unlovable mm-hmm. because the end product of what God's trying to accomplish is that important. For me to say, I'm going I'm to push through this to be able to get on the same page as you as a team. Why, why do you feel like, from your perspective, that's so important for us as a church? You know, yeah.
1: So... Like I mentioned, we we come together, we get as a team. Um, I mentioned that commander's intent statement; how that's just like gives us guidance and direction for how to plan.
0: So that's the mission overview. It right?
1: is, and it's and it's got a personal, you know, spin to it because it's like the boss, like the boss that I know and and yeah. interact with on a regular basis. He or she, you know, sort of sets those parameters, and while that's important and vital for that planning process like leading up to hey, we're going to go do something this is what we use um, I would say it's most important during the phase and like we're actually doing the job. Um, Murphy's Law right if something can go wrong it will go wrong and yeah I I think that uh, that's something that we don't need to miss we don't we need to know that we can plan and we can do all of these things we can have these grand ideas for how we're going to be effective in our mission, um, but I would say that uh, the plan is not necessarily going to happen the way that uh, the way you think it's going to happen. Yeah, so be we're going to have a horrible.
0: pandemic, and we're going to have to figure out how to reach people for Christ in this society. So, right. what what is what's like what's our commander's intent? Um, you know, I I looked
1: through this, and I would say the Great Commission would be a good and there's there's hints of it even in in what you read uh, in the beginning here in Romans fifteen. But like we're called to do good things for like in, in Romans fifteen, um, he gives us a so, right? So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Great Commission, go and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we're supposed to go out, and this ultimately brings glory to God. That is that is your purpose. Like that's, that's why God made you. That's why God made you. It's to glorify God. And I think that you've got to do that within the context of the community, within the group, if you really, really want to be effective. Um, can I tell a war story? Is that allowed I, in church? I feel like, yeah, go for it. So... Most most of you have heard, and th- this isn't my war story, caveat, this is not my war story at all, because you guys are going to think way too highly of I me. I have a
0: few drone stories, but we'll yeah. save them. B- but I'm just later. using
1: using an illustration that I think everybody here is probably familiar with, like the raid on bin Laden's compound, right? It's probably one of the, probably the biggest military operation in the last 20, 30, maybe more debatable, but. Um, did you Did you know that when they... We're going to get bin Laden, which I don't know how many details you know about this. The team left Afghanistan, which is a relatively safe place for US people to be. But we were like everyone knew we were there, no big deal, right? But bin Laden was in Pakistan, right? We, we weren't operating in Pakistan. So they had to fly helicopters into Pakistan and as they were going through the landing phase for these guys to get out and get bin Laden, they crashed those helicopters. I don't know if, I don't know if people know that. I don't know. Maybe that's common knowledge. I'm in the army, so sometimes I just assume things are common knowledge, but they crashed those helicopters. So why, why do I tell the little illustration about this? They got him, right? Everyone knows they got bin Laden. They still got him. The, the reason why they got bin Laden is because they didn't just, like when the helicopter crashed, just like when your helicopter is going to crash, like when your plan doesn't happen the way, when something bad happens, when someone hurts you, when you, you, whatever, what's the commander's intent? What's our job? What's the great commission? What are you to do? What are you called to do when that happens? Well, you I still got my—I got ten, 10 fingers. I still got my arms, my legs. I'm still—I guess I'm going to. That's what they did. They got out of the helicopter. Like, oh, okay, here we go, let's do this. You know, yeah. and they went and they did what they had to do in order to accomplish that mission. And I think we need that same mindset in the church. I think we need to, to recognize that these things are gonna happen. But I think of a foundational understanding of what, why God created you and the capacity that you have as long as you can continue to, to maintain that and keep that mindset and move, keep moving in that direction, you're gonna, you're gonna do great things. You're gonna be part of something that is doing great things. Yeah, and
0: that, that again is the key, is that part of something, and, and we're just adapting to the world in front of us, because that commander's intent, which is the Great Commission, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, that we want people to follow after Jesus. We want them to understand who he is and follow him in life, and so when things go wrong, when they break down in life, it's, it's okay God, then this, how do I, how do you want me to move forward right now? That this person insulting me or offending me is not, not an end road, to following after God and trying to reach them and connect with them. It's being creative to say, all right, what's in front of me? And God, this, this intent that you have should overwhelm and override everything that I'm doing in life. That it's not background noise, but this is my intent. Everywhere that I am, everywhere that I go, this is, this is what God has called me to be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take who, who God called me to be and what God called me to do everywhere I go. And it's going to shape it all.
1: Yeah, I think you know you're you're speaking about a, a certain degree of like dedication, a certain degree of drive, yeah. in order to to do what it is that God's called us to do. Um, just kind of building off my previous illustration, that those guys that, that went to go do that mission—that's you know SEAL Team Six in helicopters going into Pakistan—like they were very well aware. Um, to the, the very high likelihood that they weren't going to make it back home. Like, that, that, that was the fact that they, you know, they made it back into Afghanistan. Like, that's, it's bonkers, just for so many reasons. We, we don't have time to even go into all that today, but, um, but they did it anyways. And I don't tell you that so you think, man, those guys are either crazy or just really brave. I got news for you. You're not going to make it out of this world alive, most likely. I mean, I don't think Jesus... I mean, we don't know. Sure. But there's a high likelihood you ain't going to make it out of this world alive. So it's it's a very similar dynamic. While they may have had, you know, as much closer in their field of view as far as the timeline goes, we don't know how long we have. But ultimately, that that's what we're called to do. We're called to be on on mission for God. And so I just... I challenge you to understand the urgency to, to have that certain degree of dedication. You know what I mean? Those guys were going to, even after the helicopter, helicopters crashed, like, like I said, they are like, well, I got my hands, I can still breathe. I, you know what I mean? Like, to their last breath, they were going to pursue this. And, and ultimately, they found an amazing degree of fulfillment. It, it wasn't like, hey, we're going to go do this, and there's this major payout, like the U.S. government's going to... No, they just get their base pay. You know, they get what they get. That's not a part of it. It's there's a certain amount of fulfillment that you get that's intangible. There's no there's no monetary, there's the no honors, the whatever, you know what I mean? But really when you are plugged in to serving and doing your purpose, the reason why you are wired and you believe that you exist and you're you're doing that. I think that you're gonna find ultimate fulfillment and you're going to be able to do really incredible things. And I, I just, and like, you know, with this community thing, I don't think you're gonna be, it was sealed, it wasn't James Bond, right? It was still Team Six, it was a team, it was a group of people in community that accomplished this.
0: Yeah, I love it. As we talked and you said that line, um, you know, we're not gonna make it out of this world alive. I was like, you understand, oh yeah, I get it yeah, we're all going to die. and But that reality brings us back to something else that you had talked about, is, is, is that the military, they have a clear understanding of what is important in their mission. Like, what is important? And, and as we think about, you know, the Apostle Paul in Romans 15, it's like he's, he's coming to the church and saying, you guys understand what's really important? Like, it's not who said what and who hurt who, What's really important is the mission that we're all distracted from. So we need to get back on the page where we say, what's really important? Because we're not going to make it out of this world alive. Our 401k doesn't get to go with us. Our house doesn't. Our hobbies don't. Uh, the, The things that we strive and give utmost importance to in life, they don't get to go with us. So because we don't get to make it out of this world alive, it's us saying, what is really important? What is really important to me? Is it Jesus? Is it that acceptance that I only find in him and therefore should be the the model for how I treat one another? Even even if they insult me or even if they wrong me to say what he says is what defines and guides my life. I I love the book of Amos in the Old Testament, the book of Amos. Um, I love it because God tries to get the nation of Israel's attention. So at this point in their history, they're pretty well off financially. They're at a, at a, they're at a place where everybody has everything they want and beyond that. And so God tries to give them this, this reminder to say, that's not why you're here. This is not the point of it, to just get to a point where you have what you want. That's not why you exist. And so to do that, God, God doesn't send a, 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 a prophet in the sense that they normally would expect a prophet. He's, he's not a priest. He doesn't have this lineage. They send this guy, Amos, who's, who's a, a fig farmer. Not pig farmer, fig farmer. And, and he's got this message of, you've forgotten what's important. And I, I think relationally speaking, We forget what's important, and we let Satan distract us, as as Matt was talking about. We let Satan distract us, and we think that, that, oh, this is important, or or that's important. And, And Paul's message to us would be, you know what's really important? That you get really good at loving other people. Really good at forgiving them and moving on. Because the gospel compels us to be people of love in the face of insult because that's exactly what Jesus Christ was to us. Um, I, uh, two weeks ago, I had my 39th birthday, and um, I remember having this moment earlier in the day, because I knew my family was gonna say like, you know, after the presence, they were gonna say like, what do you wanna do, it's your birthday, you can do anything you want. And so I thought about it, I thought, what, like, what do I really want to do? And I was thinking about that, and I was like, well, I could do this, or I could do that. And I just had this moment where I, based on what we were going to be talking about, was saying, what's really important to me as a father in that scenario? And and I thought, well, what is really important? And the simplest thing came to my mind. I just want to see everybody else in that room smile. That's what's really important. That my nine-year-old, my six-year-old, my wife that they're enjoying life. That's the, that right now, for my family to celebrate my birthday, that's the best thing. So we went and we did something that the kids would really enjoy. And we, we had this moment together where it was just enjoying being around each other. And I think that connects in two ways. Number one, like our mentality in the church should be, let's just enjoy each other. Let's move past the hurts and the judgments we talked about last week. Because the commander's intent focuses us on a mission greater than us. And and let's ask the question, what ultimately is going to put a smile on God's face? What ultimately is going to make him happy? Like if today were his birthday and we were celebrating that, what would it be for you to say, God, I'm going to do this. What's most important? I want to put a smile on your face. You know what I think it is? To love each other really well so that we can, as a team, move forward to reach a community for Jesus Christ. Love each other really well, so that as a team, we can move forward to reach our community for Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's what God called us to do, and we've got to get this part really well. Uh, just one, one quick uh, illustration to wrap up. Um, and it's about food. They tend to be about food with me. I love um, that. Yeah. I, I, like, I would go away from food illustrations, but you guys all like to eat food, so we'll keep food illustrations. But I was watching a show about one of the, one of the most incredible sushi chefs in Japan. And it, it just was like this hour-and-a-half-long Netflix documentary about this guy and why his restaurant's so good. And one of the things that he talked about is, he says, in the restaurant, there are certain base skills That they devote an incredible amount of attention and time to. So when somebody comes into the restaurant, the very first thing they do is for a a year they make rice. That's their job for a year. Over and over and over they make rice. And then the next year they can they can move on to sharpening a knife for a year. That's their task in the restaurant. A whole year dedicated to that. Why, because that's foundational for what they're going to have to do as they continue to work, work move forward as a restaurant. That's con- as they move up that ladder, that's foundational. Look, what Paul is saying is we've gotta become skilled, incredibly skilled at the base, base requirements for what it means to follow after Jesus. We've gotta become really good at loving each other. The commander's intent, what we're called to do is so vital for us to behave as a team, that we've got to become expertly skilled, honed in to be able to love one another well. Because that's the attitude that Jesus Christ had towards us. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for the fact that we are recipients of the most incredible love. Father, I thank you for the way that you spoke through Matt this morning and this idea that we have this intent and we have this mission in front of us, and life might, might not go as planned, and we might get hurt sometimes. We might feel forgotten or betrayed or taken advantage of, but that doesn't sidetrack us, that doesn't slow us down from the fact that we're here to reach people who will be separated from you forever. Your son Jesus died to pay the cost for their sins so that they can live forever with you, and we as a church are compelled to take that mission out to this world and how we love each other, how we forgive each other, how we bear with one another has everything to do with how well we accomplish what you called us to. I pray that we can become skilled at loving each other. In Jesus' name, amen.